really believe God has got something good for you today and that uh, God's going to help you walk in greater freedom because that's the series that we are in at the moment. The whole theme of just breaking free of things that hold you back. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says, For you have been called to living freedom. And I love that, that that is the very heart of God. That is the very purpose for which Jesus Christ came so that you and I could live in freedom, to be set free. And the reality is we all accumulate stuff as we go along through life. We know the, the physical, if you've ever moved house and you think, why on earth did we keep that? And probably some of you are bigger hoarders than others. But there's also the emotional baggage we carry. It's the spiritual baggage that we can carry. It's the thing that clings to us at times and we go, how do I get free from that? And that's exactly what I want to speak to this morning about the bag that won't let go. Because there's a whole lot of things that happen when we say yes to Jesus. And all of us can remember that moment of saying yes and a whole lot of things just falling away, just falling off. For some, it was an incredible testimony of a habit that you had that just instantly disappeared because of the power of Christ's resurrection life coming into your life. The power of the Holy Spirit making you alive to God and alive to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, because you belong to him, because you belong to him, belong to Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Because you belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit does a number on you, as it were, in bringing freedom and liberty to your life. But as I mentioned, sometimes there's a bag, a thing that is so deep-rooted that it just doesn't seem to let go or you seem to be free from it for a while and then it comes back. And I love the fact that even the great apostle Paul struggled with this reality. In Romans 7 verse 15, he says, I really don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And every one of us has found ourselves in that dilemma of struggling with something that we find ourselves doing or thinking. It could be an emotional reaction, a thought process, a physical thing. And you think, I hate this, but I find myself in this rut, in this thing that I just keep doing. And this morning, it's about how do we address that? What is God saying to us about that bag that will not let go? That thing that we hate, but we've kind of learned to live with it. And sometimes we even begin to justify it, explain it to others, give a reason to ourselves and to everybody else why, yeah, I know I shouldn't, but. And perhaps just to help you and I identify some of these things, a little checklist your family and friends say that you have a problem in that area? Is what you're doing hurting somebody else or potentially going to hurt somebody else? Do you rearrange your schedule so you can accommodate it? Can you go one week without dropping into the, that action, that thought process? 
Is it leading you to withdraw from people at times? And I'm not talking about those of us who are wired and need a bit of quiet time every so often. I'm just talking about when you know it's actually pulling you away from people. And here's a big one. Are you trying to keep it a secret? Is this thought, I hope nobody ever finds out about this. Then if you say yes to two or three of those, then probably you are carrying a bag that just won't let go. But the good news is God wants to help you. You see, when we carry this bag, there's a number of things that happen. And I just want to identify three things that I think are kind of top of the list. Number one, you have an increasing feeling of hopelessness. You've tried everything. You've been out on the altar calls. You've had hands laid on you when you were still allowed to have that happen. You've read books. You've listened to podcasts. You've watched sermons. You've cried out to God, but it's still there. And again, we go to the Apostle Paul who cries out in the struggle that he talks about that's identified in Romans chapter 7, and he says in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And that little phrase, body of death, is so powerful in the original language. It actually refers to a a form of Roman execution, where if you'd committed murder, they would take the body of the person you'd killed, if they found you guilty, and tie it to your body. And the irony, the tragedy was the person that killed you ends up, killed, the person you killed ends up killing you because as it begins to decompose the infection, everything else kills you. And that was a form of justice. That's the body of death. And sometimes we feel like this thing is killing me. This thing is infecting every part of my life. How do I get rid of it? And Paul says, what do I need to do? So that sense of hopelessness. Secondly, you can become very defensive. You deny that you have the problem. You justify it. We talked a little bit about that earlier. You make statements, I could stop it if I wanted to. Or you don't know what I've been going through. Or I don't normally do that. You just caught me on a bad day. And it leads to the thing that really is of great concern to Jesus for you and your life is you become enslaved. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And you give up on yourself. And you think that God has given up on you. And that weight of condemnation, that heaviness that engulfs your life. I'm never going to get out of this. God will never love me, accept me as I am. And that's a lie. That's not true. And then it begins to infect your dreams, your hopes, the promises that you feel God has given you, and they begin to fade and eventually disappear. Paul, in Romans chapter 6, in talking about our struggle with sin and Christ's victory over it, says this about this whole enslavement. He says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. And it may not be an obviously instant drop dead, but the death of relationship, the death of dreams, the death of hope, the death of having a sense of a future. He says, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And that statement is easy to read, but it's a different thing when you're walking in this. And so let's talk about some principles of breaking free. 
Again, Romans chapter 6, and if you really want to, it'll take a while for you to read through it. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 are these great chapters on understanding sin and how Jesus sets us free and the power of the Holy Spirit to live in that freedom. But Paul says this in Romans 6, verse 12 and following, don't let sin control the way you live. Instead, and I I want you to maybe jot that down, put that in the text. Instead, you see, Paul's saying there's an alternative to this. You, You can live this way or instead you can do this. Don't let sin control the way you live. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. You have new life. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. I just want to, without going on a tangent yet, telling you, creating more rules for yourself will not set you free. The enemy will just use them to bring greater condemnation to your life. It's in the giving of yourself to the one who loves you, who laid down his life for you, who died to set you free, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will find freedom. Instead, he has that word again, instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And I love that. The requirements of the law, man-made laws, your own little rules and regulations aren't going to help you get free of this bag that won't let go. It's living under God's grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit, your freedom secured by the cross of Calvary, that you will find freedom. It's living under that grace. Well, here's a few things to step into that place. And for some, it may be instantaneous. For others, it's something that you're going to have to keep applying these principles until one day you suddenly realize, I'm not struggling with that anymore. Not saying it's going to all be easy, but there is hope. There is a way forward to get rid of that bag that won't let go. Number one, and this is really big, can the excuses, can the self-justification. There may be some very real things out of your history, out of your past, that have contributed to the struggle that you're in right now. But don't keep blaming somebody else. And it may be terrible what they did to you. There's a point where you've got to take responsibility for your own behavior before God. The Bible calls that confession. Coming clean, saying the same thing. God, yeah, this is what I did. I've got all these excuses. I've got all these reasons. Some terrible stuff happened to me in the past. And I'm not diminishing any of that. But God, I actually did this thing. I'm living with this bag at the moment. In Psalm 51, David's confession after doing some horrendous things makes the statement, I recognize my rebellion. He doesn't go, well, there were all these different circumstances and there was a context for what he did. He says, I recognize what I did. It haunts me day and night against you speaking to God and you alone I have sinned. And I have done what is evil in our sight. And I think in our society where there's this increasing victim mentality, this is a powerful principle. I recognize my rebellion before God. I recognize what I've done. There's contributing factors, but I recognize, I take responsibility. Stop saying it's just me. I am who I am, or I'm just like my dad, or I'm just like my mum. 
Because the promise is when you say yes to Jesus, you get a brand new start. And it's new every day, as it were. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Anyone who belongs to Jesus, I want to ask you that question. Do you belong to Jesus? If you don't, it's so easy to reach out and invite him into your life to be your Lord and Savior and see the power of freedom that he brings to your life, the power of forgiveness. So number one, can excuses. Number two, cut the ties. Just have a look at your life and look for the connections between the bag, where you go, what you do, and who you do it with. And this might be painful. There might be some relationships where you just say, that relationship is not healthy if I want to get set free. That relationship is not healthy. I need to do Going to that place, while it might be innocent for everybody else, is not good for me. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33 identifies this principle. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. So avoid some places, cut some relationships that draw you away from God. Maybe it's cleaning out some memorabilia that just allow you to live in that haunted memory of a broken relationship of deep disappointment or maybe even deep loss. Put an internet filter on your computer and become accountable to somebody. Bible says in the book of James, and James is pretty blunt. He's the half-brother of Jesus. And he says this, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And some of us just need to man up as it were and do some resisting. To say, God, I'm yielding first to you. That's an important gift. It's not just about resisting. It's about yielding first to God and then resisting the devil. The third thing is fill the void. Nature hates a vacuum and spiritually that operates as well. Don't create a void in your life. When you cut something out, when you walk away from something, fill it with something positive. Fill it with something out of God's word. Fill it out with godly relationships. He has a great principle out of Ephesians 5.18. And I want you to notice, we've used this word a little bit, instead. Here comes another instead. Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And just invite the power of the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Well, he has some things, godly disciplines, not rules, just disciplines you can commit to. One of the things that helps fill your life is God's word. And I want to encourage you, try and spend a little bit of time every day in God's word. Don't make it a law. Don't get all guilty if you miss a day or two, because you end up spending more time worrying about what you missed than enjoying God's presence, enjoying God's word. And as a church, we have a devotional that goes up every week out of the Bible app, and it's incredibly powerful. And it's so simple. Just go to our website, hook into it. It ties in with the theme of what we're doing on Sunday in church. And it'll just feed you without you having to go, where do I start in this book? 
It'll just lead you through some powerful devotional thoughts. Take 10 minutes of your day. The Bible says Christ loves the church. That's us. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. And it's kind of God's word is like soap. It just keeps washing away at stuff at your life. Secondly, prayer. And we complicate prayer. Jesus gave us a pattern for praying in what is called the Lord's Prayer. You can follow those principles. But the most important thing is just have a conversation with God. I love Hebrews chapter 4 and 15 where it talks about Jesus as our high priest. And remember, it's in the context of an ancient religious system where all access to God, no matter which religion you were following, was through a priest. And Jesus does away with all of that. He gives us direct access to heaven. And it says, this high priest, speaking of Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He understands our frailty. For he faced all the same testings we did, yet he didn't sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The third thing is just have some authentic relationships. Let love, the word is agape, this divine love, this love that gives without demanding a response. Let let love, talking about amongst followers of Jesus, be genuine, authentic, without hypocrisy. And just people in your life who will speak truth to you, but won't love to speak the truth, if I can make that distinction. James says, confess your sins to one another. He's not saying stand up in front of the whole church and confess. He says, find some people that you can be real with, that you can be honest with, and then pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The fourth thing is just Get involved in serving somewhere, whether it's within the life of the church or in a community area or a combination of both. There's something about giving out to others, even in the most simple way that is actually empowering and powerful. And God wired you to be other-centric, not just be self-centric. Romans 12 verse 21, do not let evil conquer you but conquer evil by doing good. And this is not good works to get you into heaven. This is flowing out of a relationship with Jesus that you are doing things that are a blessing to others. And the final thing is be spirit-filled and spirit-led. Paul says in Romans 8 verse 13, if you live by the dictates of your own flesh, is the context, your own carnal nature, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And there's something about in the middle of the struggle of just saying, Holy Spirit, would you come and help me? And even if you proceed to do the very thing you hate doing and you keep carrying the bag, every time you're faced with it, say, Holy Spirit, would you come and help me? And the enemy will say, well, you called on him before and nothing happened. Just keep calling on the person of the Holy Spirit, to come and help you. You see, there's something about His power 
that just empowers everything in our lives. If you walked outside and tried to flap your wings, you couldn't fly. But the irony is you go and sit in a plane that weighs, depending on the size of it, multiplied tons, and it takes off with you in it doing nothing. And it's because the law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity when there's enough power behind it. And that's what happens when the power of the Holy Spirit comes to touch your life. The bag that is so heavy that just won't let go is diminished because of the power that comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians, Paul says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want to ask you, are you living in that freedom? And if not, you can step into it right now by simply saying yes to Jesus. If you're already follow of Jesus and you've been carrying the guilt of the bag that won't let go and now guilt has become another bag, just breathe in the Holy Spirit, Numa, the breath of God, the Spirit of the living God. Still your soul, rebuke the devil and his condemnation and just say, I want to live in that place of freedom that the Holy Spirit brings. 